Hello. Hello, how are you? Well, I think we both survived the um, swirling wind of Hurricane. Was it Dorian? Dorian, Dorian yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, we um, we survived. Well, this is um, the second hurricane. The last, I guess, two or three years that has uh, stalled off the coast and then said, "Nah, not this time. I'm going somewhere else." Well, yeah. there's that. Um, the people in the Bahamas would have a different version of the story. Yeah. Last um, time it was Puerto Rico. So, yeah. You know, and um, the thing is, is I, I check out a lot of international um, news and, you know, when we don't hear about it, and one of the one of the ones that um the last couple of years maybe um hit Cuba really uh-huh. hard. Um I don't remember which one it is. Their names all run together eventually. Um but moving right along to today's topic. Um you brought up the question on our previous talk about apologetics mm-hmm. and the question came up does god need defending uh, that to me is um a very interesting question um i'll let you set the foundation for this conversation well um yeah the the question being does god need defending uh, well, the existence of pol- the, the existence of apologetics itself would seem to answer the question. I guess so, uh, because if God did not need defending, there would be no such thing as apologetics. Um, from my view, um, so that's kind of how I, I view it. Um, I I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, being in um, being in seminary, asking myself the same question. That if um, if there in fact uh, is a God, um, then why are we going through all of these complicated and um, you know circular arguments about how this God exists? I mean, I, I hate to put it so simply, but you know there there are there are no apologetics for trees or rocks or air. Or houses because we know them to exist and the only thing that we have to have apologetics for is for something that we don't know exists and um, the problem that um, I found with apologetics was it never really answered that initial question that it was trying to answer um, it only came up with answers as to why people believe that there is a God, but never really showed or demonstrated that there actually was. And that's what, you know, was my main, one of my main problems with apologetics that it just seemed so unfruitful uh, because it never really got down to answering its uh, fundamental question. So if I'm hearing you correctly, your question is that you want to know if, the question is valid or if the justification is valid? 
Uh, yes, but I also want to know if there's an, an answer to the fundamental question that the whole enterprise is trying to defend, and that is the existence of God. So, so are you saying that you think the, the necessity of the conversation actually is in and of itself? Say that again, you broke up. Are you saying that the actual conversation within itself is actually futile? Um, not that it's futile, uh, not for the believer. I think it's, it's paramount for the, uh, for the believer. Um, um, I was actually having this discussion a couple of weeks ago with um, a friend of mine uh, from high school. And, um, you know, I, I pointed out to him, that he needed to demonstrate to me that he knew that um, that there was a God in fact. And um, he just went out and said, well, I don't have to prove anything to an atheist. And, you know, I had to stop him for a second. I said, well, wait a minute. I said, if we're just having a discussion about what you believe, then you're absolutely right. You don't have to justify it or prove anything to me. But you're coming at me from a missionary standpoint you're trying to persuade me that what you believe is truth. So if you're coming at me from that perspective, then yes, you do have to demonstrate that there is a God. Um, and, you know, I pointed out several biblical passages where, uh, you know, it seems to me that there is a mandate uh, to persuade people um, uh, to such a belief uh, and to, um, to just knock it off or to brush that mandate off seems to go against, uh, you know, the great commission altogether. So I'm going to tell you from, from where, from what you're saying right now, it really almost sounds like you are actually defending evangelism. I, I guess I am. I am. Okay. I am defending so <laughs> explain to me how, go ahead. Uh, agnostic what is it agnostic atheist yeah, what is it right. you are right. um okay how is it that an agnostic atheist is actually anti-apologetics mm -hmm. but defending evangelism I, I need you to really really unpack okay. that for me because i believe that the conversation um needs to be had between believers and non-believers and in my twisted way of thinking i want during that conversation, the best ideas to be brought to the table, okay? Um, I don't want to have to... Well, discourse of it and not just the um, the foot stomping, I demand you believe this. You need, you need to see the articulation of the details that verify the information that someone is trying to share with you. Exactly. And okay. I, and, I, and, and that's, that's kind of the... the um, the direction that I'm coming from is for too long, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'm going to sound like our president, um, <laughs> you know, for okay. too long PC culture has told us that in, 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 uh, in pleasant company, we don't talk about uh, religion and politics. And now because of that, we've gotten to the point where we can't talk about religion and politics. We're just talking but see, that was going on before long know, for him. But I know. Okay, I'm not whatever. blaming it on him. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm, I'm sounding like him. 
Uh, but you're absolutely right. You know, because <laughs> you know we're we don't want to step on each other's toes about you know religion and politics. We've actually lost the art of conversation concerning these two and a lot of other things also. And so my my defensive evangelism is yeah. If you think that you have the best ideas or the best worldview and want to um, you know. Uh, try and convince me or persuade me that I'm wrong, I'm all for it. I'm not going to back down for the conversation. You might even convince me that I'm wrong. Um, but at least come with the best, the best ideas that you can articulated in the best way. Because, you know, at the end of the day, um, I want to have this conversation with people, not to bring them to my side or anything like that, but just to come to a point of understanding we may not agree um, on this but at least we'll we'll both understand each other's um, position on the issue excuse me but i don't think we get there with the apologetics that i was taught or that i continue to hear Um, uh, so so you're you're not saying that um that you're discarding what what people believe you're just saying that the they could if you will up the game up the ante a little bit and if you're going to attempt to articulate this uh, can you please do so in a way gives more information that um backs your stance um in a way um i am discarding what people, I am discarding okay. what people say because, um, you know, <laughs> if all goes well in the next, what, month or so, um, I've lived to see 50 years. And in 50 years, the arguments haven't changed for the, uh, for the defense of the, the existence of God. And so when Wait, we can what six weeks? About five, yeah, six weeks, right? October twelfth. Okay. So, um, no, it's not even six weeks. It's like four weeks. Right. So, um, but the arguments have not changed in you know the I guess let's be let's be honest in the um, ever in the ever in the well in the, in the ever and you know for, since I've been listening and paying attention, the arguments have not changed, and so to some degree, yes, I am discarding them for that reason. But I don't just dismiss them during conversation. You know, what I try to do is, you know, um, ask questions and be very uh, compassionate with people and ask them leading questions to get them to see or to understand why I'm not accepting what they're saying. And all this time, I thought you were just trying to make people mad. No, 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 that was probably like the first two years that I was an atheist. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and after that, after that, I became a little well, more you know, sincere. It, it, after, after a while, you, <laughs> you, you look around and you start thinking, well, is this, is this the best way to go about having this conversation? And, um, you know, it, it really isn't. But if you can sit down with someone and, you know, rationally and calmly discuss them, discuss with them your, their beliefs and yours, you know, you get a little, a little bit further down the road with people as far as having a good relationship. You know, whether they believe me or not, or I believe them or not, is, you know, of no consequence to me. I have friends across the religious spectrum 
um, that I care for dearly and work with. Um, but it's, you know, an interesting conversation to have. But when you're listening to the same arguments over and over again, and it, it really doesn't matter what religion it is, you know, that's my other pet peeve with apology. So do you feel that, do you feel like the, the defense is just really that shallow? Yeah, I, I don't think people see it um, because they've heard it so many times that it, it sounds profound to them. But, you know, when, you, when, I, when I sit and question them about it, you can see the wheels turning and many times the smoke coming out of their ears like, wow, I, I didn't realize just how bad an argument that was. And, um, you know, some walk away kind of disgruntled, some walk away angry, but, you know, uh, not angry at me, but angry with themselves and whoever it was that taught them. And, um, you know, now they have to come up with whole new arguments. And sometimes I don't hear from them anymore. Um, and not because they're angry with me, it's that, you know, their level, the level of disappointment. disappointment keeps them from even having the conversation, you know. I do think the conversation is very important. Um, one of the things when um, I worked with the church um, and they asked me to um, teach them how to go mm-hmm. witnessing. And I think they were literally shell-shocked when I got through because I explained to them, you know, okay, well, first of all, if we're going to follow the biblical model, you don't go by yourself. Um, And the next piece of that was that, you know, if you're going to defend the gospel to someone who may have heard, you need to have enough knowledge of where they are in what they're saying they believe to explain to them the difference. Right. And they looked at me and they were like, so why can't I just tell them, you know, how to get on the Romans? <laughs> okay. If we're going, if, if, if let's take this into practical life, if you just walked up to me and said, Hey, let's go to Mississippi, follow me. I should not ask you what interstate we're getting on. How long does it take to get there? Give me, give me something to work with and tell me why I need to go right. to Mississippi. They go, but yeah, that's different. I'm like, okay, so you're going to tell me that my whole lifestyle and what we're pinning this all in on my afterlife that is eternal, that does not end, this is forever. And you can't tell me anything your word for it yeah and i'm you know and i said to them i said you know you need to be able to walk them through some key understanding of why you believe what you believe because if you can't tell them what is you believe and why is their reason for wanting to know more about what you believe which is why they're going to shut the door in your face Mm -hmm. We see it every time a Jehovah's Witness comes because most of the time they don't ever really articulate anything. They just start pinning facts at you and you're going, okay, but that's not what I believe. And they go, no, this is what you should believe. Okay, you woke me up on a Saturday morning. Yeah. What? You know, yeah, and, and it's, it's, 
it's that kind of approach, I think, that it's hard to get people to see, okay, witnessing, sharing the gospel is supposed to be good news. If you start out this conversation with telling me a whole bunch of bad news, it's really hard for me to stay in the conversation long enough to get to the good news. Is there good news, by the way? Because if your witnessing doesn't include any good news, why am I listening to you? And I I think it's interesting that you brought up up Jehovah's Witnesses. I think they... um, I mean, they're dedicated to the cause. I think they may have a a picture of me with my address on the, in the, in in all their kingdom halls, because I literally sit in my window and watch them walk, watch them walk past my house. Um, (laughs) uh, Do not disturb. Do not disturb. No, I've I've had a couple run-ins with them and a couple, I think one time the, the, I don't know what their, their their hierarchy is, but, um, uh, one time, this uh, this uh, couple of young ladies uh, came to my door, and I answered. And they asked me, um, you know, uh, you know, do you mind if we share some scripture with you? I was like, oh no, go right ahead. And um, she then made the mistake of asking me a question. Um, she said, "What do you think your purpose in life is?" And immediately, I was I was drawn in. I said, "What? Well, I really don't know." what my purpose in life is. And um, she immediately went to first chapter of Genesis where it, it, he told, you know, or God told uh, human beings to be fruitful and multiply. And she kind of stopped there. She goes, isn't that wonderful? And I said, wait a minute. And I said, you're telling me that, that my purpose and your purpose and every human being's purpose in life is just to have babies. And she just kind of, I mean, she looked at her partner like she didn't know what to say. And I said, well, what about people who can't have kids? What is their purpose? And she's like, well, it was nice talking to you. And she you know, kind of ran away. Um, but, you know, I think that 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 attests to the, um, the shallowness, <clears throat> excuse me, of the 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 depth of knowledge that people have about things that they say they deeply believe, you know, uh, they don't have a very deep understanding of it all and they wouldn't be able to express it if anyone pointed out to them or asked them any, uh, any type of scrutinizing question. And I think that's where a lot of believers, not just Christians, but people of other religions get caught. uh, See, yeah, and and I want to I want to pin this thought to it. You know, we started out with this: um, Does God need defending? Mm-hmm. And I think what we're boiling it back down to is that maybe the mechanism with which the gospel is shared, or or whatever the belief system is, is shared to have some tuning to not so much be about quote unquote, no, God does not need defending. But I think if we're going to articulate things about God, then in that way, we need to be able to articulate it well. Well, here's the, here's the problem that I see with that, with that point of view is that, um, you know, let me phrase this correctly, is that 
it's real it's really difficult for me to talk about something that I don't know to exist. Um, and one of the things that I, I try to get believers to understand is is that you're talking to me about you know who God is, what God wants, what his attributes are on down the line. And I'm back up here at the very beginning is, does God exist at all? And for me to follow you down, you know, the road that you're trying to take me, that first question needs to be answered. So you need, you need something that, that uh, solidifies the, even the, before. that's fair. I, I think that's absolutely fair because Again, I, I wouldn't want somebody to sell me a car but that I, I don't right. know if there's a car. Um, but you want me to sign on the dollar line somehow. Um, I, I think that's fair for you to, to say that. But for me, and I think probably for most people that, that are in the situation of attempting to evangelize or even any other form of apologetics that, that in discourse that may take place, um, I, I, to those of us who do believe in the existence of God have to really take a step back and say, how, how do we get to the frame of mind? Because we are so far up the road in the fact that we do believe to come back and say, oh, wow, how do we actually even articulate this, not over-articulated, but articulate it well for someone who is just saying, okay, I'm a step one. Does the creator of the universe actually exist? And I think that's, that's, that's the place that's hard and challenging for people that have a belief system that they feel like is very solid to come back to that place. It would be for me the equivalent of having to go back and, you know, I, I don't even know what, what to even compare it to, like to go be re-potty trained or something. Like I already know how that works now. So I don't need you to help me or explain that to me again. So if somebody came to me and started trying to potty train me again, I would really be looking at them going, mm -hmm. really? I ain't there yet. I, I haven't aged to the point that I need to relearn right. this again. That would be, so I would be on this side of being offended that someone would be trying to, to make it that simplistic for me. And so I think that's how, who already believe something, it's really hard for us to go back to even imagine the place where our mental awareness was lacking this understanding. Right. Um, and so I think that's, I think that becomes part of the challenge. Oh, how do I get myself back at the very, very seed stage of oh, this is what I believe and why I believe. And so for me, as a Pentecostal, um, I grew up, my grandparents were Pentecostals on both sides of my family. Mm -hmm. So I have experienced and seen so much that for me solidified what I believe right. that I can't 
imagine that place of going, I don't know if I believe this. <laughs> right. Up the road now. Right. Um, so I think you're right. I think it is that it has to be um, come back to the step one of it and to truly say, how do you even frame your mind to have the conversation with someone who does not believe what you believe? Because most people that believe, they get really comfortable hanging out only with people that already believe what they believe. And then there's never much challenge to help them develop that ability to articulate it. Right. And um, <clears throat> I think uh, it is difficult for, for people to go back to step one, um, those who are so far down the road that you know, I, you know, I can empathize with that. Um, but maybe I can, I can help out a little. Um, <laughs> um, you talk about how, you know, how people, you know, just gone down the road. And one of the things that, um, one of the questions that came up in my mind uh, on my journey at one point was, why do I believe that there are God, uh, that there is a God and um, are those reasons solid? You know, <clears throat> and I just went point by point. It was kind of like, um, I guess, uh, Rene Descartes, who was, uh, I guess, I think it was a 15th century uh, mathematician who wanted to know if all of his beliefs were true. And so he started examining them one by one as justification for having them. And that's sort of the road that I took. You know, I went starting. Okay, I like Descartes. Are you getting ready to no, mess that not. up? I'm not. Okay. But no, he, you know, he he started with God and worked his way all the way, you know, through all of his beliefs, and uh, came up with justifications for him for them all, and uh, eventually he even got back to believing in God. But um, I sort of took the the same route, you know. I, I started with, you know, why do I believe in God? What are my reasons for believing? And um, you know, the first one was obviously, um, you know, I was taught to believe by my parents and by a community of people such as, you know, my extended family and church, uh, church family, so forth and so on. I was, you know, raised in a culture of belief. And that's how, you know, initially I ended up believing in God. So the next question is, is that a good reason to believe just because, you know, your parents, your family, and the culture believes that? Does that make it true? Well, the answer to that is no. Um, it doesn't make it true. Um, so you know what you you just can't help yourself, can you? Well, you just can't, you can't, you can't just, you what, just what can't. Is you wrong now? I, I mean, yeah. and, and then you know, you, you go to the next step, and you're like, okay, well, I've believed these things all of my life, and of course, just because someone taught it to me doesn't make it true. Well, what about my experiences? <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, um, I've had, you know, um, experiences in my life that confirm what I believe a very big one from a very, from a very young age um, and many more after that. But then again, I have to ask myself the same question. You know, do my experiences confirm what I believe or am I, am I, do I need to ask myself, am I, 
interpreting my experiences properly, you know, because experiences are very subjective and believe it or not, Christians aren't the only ones who have powerful, convincing religious experiences. You know, they're all over the place in every religion. So how do I weigh my experiences believing that, you know, my particular experiences confirm my belief system, whereas, you know, someone else of another religion may have the same exact experience and that confirms it for them. How do I weigh that? And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, uh, yeah, two school years ago, I currently work with uh, a young man from, uh, from I believe, South Sudan. He's Muslim. And uh, he and his wife had a daughter uh, the first year that we worked together. Uh, at the beginning of the second school year that we worked together. Wait, he, his, his wife had a daughter, so they got married pretty young? Well, when I say young man, I mean, he's like my age. He's probably in his late 40s. Oh, okay. I thought you meant... No, 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 no. He's a, he's a co-worker. And uh, oh, okay. so uh, his wife had a daughter. Well, at the beginning of our second school year, you know, teachers go back to school like two or three weeks before the kids get there so we can get our, all our stuff together and have, you know, rah-rah, shish-boom-ba, motivational session and all this. And um, he was there for the first day of the first week. And then I didn't see him again until the end of the first week. And he looked haggard. I mean, he was just, you know... He looked like he hadn't slept in days. So I pulled him aside and I said, uh, Mr. Ibrahim, what's, uh, what's wrong? You look like you haven't slept right. And he's like, man, listen, my daughter's been in the hospital for the last uh, six days and they can't tell me what's wrong with her. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And he explained everything that was going on. And I asked him, I said, which hospital um, do you have her in? And he named the hospital and I said, look, I said, you need to get your daughter out of that hospital and take her over to the Cleveland Clinic in Weston. Uh, they have a dynamite pediatrics uh, uh, hospital over there. Um, I'm not promising anything, but I'm quite sure that in less than a week, they will know what's wrong with your daughter. And um, I was newly mentored into the administration team, not exactly AP, but I did have some empowered to uh, give people time off and he took his daughter over there to the pediatrics so that was on a Friday that Monday I was sitting at my desk and he came bursting in and you know, was hugging me and all this kind of stuff and I said what happened what happened and he says man he says listen he said those people within 30 seconds asked me three questions that those other people hadn't asked me at all and I said what they asked me he said, number one they heard me talk and they asked me where I was from and the second question was, you know, when was the last time I had been back to Sudan? The third question was, when was the last time the wife and the baby had been back to Sudan? Come to find out, they had been back to Sudan about six months prior for a wedding. And the doctor immediately said, well, I think that your daughter has malaria. We're going to run the test. And sure enough, that's what she had. So they started the treatment for malaria. Baby's fine. Well, I use that example because, you know, probably and most more than likely for him, you know, this is a guy who's uh, a, a deeply committed Muslim. And I'm sure during his prayer time, he was praying for his daughter. 
Now, that would have been a confirmation for him that his prayers were answered. Now, this is the same type of story that many Christians tell about, uh, you know, similar situations. It may not be for the child, it may be for them or another family member, but it's a confirming experience. So me looking in on the outside is, okay, if I have a Christian telling me this type of story and a Muslim telling me this type of story, then which one should I believe? You know, which one is the real religion if a Christian and a Muslim can pray, can pray to different gods and get the same answer? And not just that, but a Jewish person or a Hindu person or what, what have you. So you have to really take a, a good look at it, at your experiences and say, you know, am I interpreting them correctly? How do I weigh my experiences against those who are having similar experiences but have different beliefs? And so the question goes back to, can I trust my experiences or am I trusting that I'm interpreting? So you bring, you bring to the table a, a completely other um, conversation. It's a, it's a completely other conversation, which but is, it comes up. Which is the, the, um, the whether or not they're quote unquote the same. Well, God. no, 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 um, no. The, the, it's a totally different, it's a totally different question that I'm asking. The question. Okay, I mean, I mean that, but what the the example yeah, that, that. kind of hinges on that. But go ahead, let's go the way you're going. The, the question, I just wanted to point that the, out. The road that I'm that I go down with people is really a, a, a deeper one that most people than most people I think are even thinking about, and it's it's a it's a really big word, but it's a real easy word to understand is what I'm getting people to try to do is to question their epistemology. And that is simply how they came to believe that what they believe is true. Are your methods sound? And if your methods are not sound, then what reason, why do you trust those methods? Okay. So if the reason you believe is because that's what you were taught, well, you have the question I asked, I asked before. Just because someone taught it to you doesn't make it true. Well, then you go to experiences. Well, if everybody is having the same experience, but from different uh, religious traditions, then how trustworthy are experiences? And then you have to go down to the level of, you know, not only uh, the trustworthiness of experiences, but your ability as a fallible human being to interpret those experiences correctly. Um, and there's just, you know, it just goes from there. So the question, the deeper question that I'm asking is, are your methods of determining truth reliable? And if they're not reliable, why are you using them? And, you know, to come to such a certain conclusion. And that's what kind of stuck, uh, got me stuck. Um, when I started doing this, you know, I started looking at all the reasons why I believed and none of them were good. Uh, I couldn't find any of them to be reliable. Um, and it, it shook me to my core. And I think that's when I have, when I, you know, question people this way, it shakes them to their core. And I think that it scares them off. And so, um, so this is why I say apologetics is really a, a pet peeve of mine because it does not answer those deeper questions about the methods of coming to belief or understand or how we believe that things are true, it sort of dances around it. 
and it's, it's I think that may have to do with with whose apologetics you've been exposed to. Oh, and and I go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I will say for um for myself, mm-hmm. um, I found I'll just use my example. Um, once I got out of East mm-hmm. Tennessee, I was really amazed at how much better um, people in other areas actually could articulate mm-hmm. the doctrine and the foundations of their faith. Right. Um, and, and so I think a lot of it has to do, I'll use the potty training example again, a lot of times it has to do with where people are. And so we can't expect them to come to, you know, the table as if they have had the years in that we've had to study and talk this, if they haven't, if they, their road has, has focused on something else or nothing at all. And so a lot of times um, the people who we're looking to a good articulate um, answer or explanation of something we may be we may be the ones reaching a little far on what we expect from right. them. And I think you're right. The exposure to um, different levels of apologetic uh, uh, apologetic uh, I'm lost the word that I was going to use, but the ability to articulate what um, what you believe does run a spectrum. Um, and I, I try to to uh, maintain an objective viewpoint of where a person is. And so I think I can, I can, um, I can uh, honestly say that it really doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I have to challenge that a little bit because um, I have been down in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and had conversations with people that had not been to any seminary anywhere and they could articulate so well, they used um, something in nature or something, they used some example that was very practical and that solidified, you know, it's much easier to grasp a concept than a bunch of big words when they can give, you know, a. I don't want to say flowery example, but they can really make the words that they're speaking ha- resonate with a concept, or and for you to be able to grasp fully, mm-hmm. you know what it is they're they're sharing with you. And I, I just think some people are so much better at it than others, um, and and I don't want to blame the whole flock of to articulate what they believe for the fact that there are some people that just do not do well with apologetics. Right. Well, um, when I want, I mean, some of them need to just be sweeping the church, just go sweep, (laughs) please. Can you just please, you really well. Oh my goodness. You are the best sweep in the world can you just sweep <laughs> and let someone else do the talking right and I, that was part of what i brought up with you know when i was teaching the witnessing mm-hmm. was that you know there's going to be one person that's going to do better 
with the person that you're attempting to have this conversation with, you know, don't feel like you're the great person because just, just because you articulate well with some people, there's another person that will have a better conversation with another person. And I I just, I, I just don't want the, the entire concept to be thrown out with the fact that, I mean, it's like, well, I'm watching football right now. It's like putting me in the football game. Mm-hmm. That changes the game. Totally. Right. The game goes absolutely downhill because I probably can't run 50 yards. Mm-hmm. And if I run 50 yards, it's not going to be very fast. Mm-hmm. And don't throw a football at me because I'm probably not going to catch it because my eyes can't focus enough to keep on the thing. I mean, that's just not the place you need to put me. I can get in the stands and I can clap. That's where I need to be. Right. And I think that's the same. I think we just have to realize when people are out of place, I don't care what title they have. You can call me a quarterback. I can't throw a football 50 yards. It's not going to happen today, tomorrow, next week. Don't, don't, Right. Because I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'll go out there and try, but if they hit me, I'm over because it's going to hurt and I don't like to hurt. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's sometimes I just think, I think we just put concepts together and have an expectation of them that we just shouldn't have. Just shouldn't have. Right. <laughs> and I don't want to throw apologetics away because of the people that don't well, do it. Well. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think my, excuse me just for a second, <clears throat> sorry, I think my, my, my problem goes a little bit deeper than just, you know, people being able to articulate their apologetics well. My argument is that no matter where you are on the spectrum of being able to articulate your um, apologetics, the arguments are all the same. For example, you brought up, you know, going down to the backwoods of Georgia and someone being able to point out in uh, nature uh, why they believe that there is uh, there is a God. Well, just that argument itself is one of the uh, the, the cornerstones of Christian apologetics, no matter what level you are on your ability to articulate it. And that's where I have the problem is not the person doesn't articulate it well it's the argument from nature itself okay so for example someone might say to me and i'm just being very simplistic here for the sake of conversation you know you know look at this tree you know just look at the leaf you break it down to the cellular cellular level it's so complex how do you explain that complexity without a designer that argument you will hear from in, in various levels of art, ability to articulate it in every level of Christian apologetics and not even just Christian apologetics, but Muslim and Jewish, Hindu, whatever. <clears throat> that is, excuse me, <clears throat> that is the, you know, the, the, the argument from design. You know, look at nature. Doesn't it say that, you know, that there's a God? And so, you know, I come back at that and say, well, Maybe so, but why does that point to the kind of God that you're talking about, or any God at all? Um, one of the things I was being I was being facetious, but I was also being very, uh, very serious. Uh, at the end of our last conversation, I said, if you if you take that argument 
and you know run it run it from start to finish i could end up with intelligent extraterrestrials if i wanted to you know um i could take the entire argument from design and say this is why i believe that the universe was created by an extra-dimensional race of super-intelligent extraterrestrials. And, and the evidence would fit. That's my problem that I have with apologetics. Is you go right, you go. So, so what, go comes to, what comes to my mind is, is in honesty, what is it really? Say that again, you broke up. What is it really like to not believe anything? You said I didn't believe anything. <laughs> well, when I say anything, I, anything that, that's foundation starts with a creator. Well, here's the thing. If your foundation, like I said before, if your foundation starts with a creator, then there has to be some knowledge that that creator actually exists or what is your foundation based on? If it's just a belief, then... That's fine, but you also have to be honest enough to say that this is my belief. And when you say this is your belief, you're tacitly admitting that your belief may be wrong. But you don't see the creation and the creator as as the handiwork of God is our creation. Well, again, we're getting ahead of we're getting ahead of ourselves. So you're saying that's still too far. I can't look at something and say. X did this, and I don't know that X exists. Okay, so what would it take for you to so believe that's, that that's God the, exists? That's a question that I've continually asked myself, and I have like three answers. Uh, the first one is a very honest one. I don't know. Um, mm. And it goes back to what I said about experience. You know, I can have all kinds of experiences that would be confirmation for me, but if I'm honestly seeking truth, I have to scrutinize that experience, um, no matter how powerful it is. Um, I have to take in all sorts of... of, of uh, so no matter what evidence you were given, your, your thing is, is you need to walk backwards to the actual... Well, let's put it way. It depends on the kind of evidence it is. If it's an experience, I have to scrutinize the experience. Okay. Um, I can't just say, oh, I had this experience and I know for a fact, no, that it doesn't work like that. You know, people are having all kinds of experiences and we still haven't gotten to the truth. Um, See, for me, that's, that's so interesting for me because it makes me wonder. um, It just gives me a a sense of wonder because I grew up in a Pentecostal, a a sense of wonder. Because cause I grew up in the Pentecostal church and, and it's very mm-hmm. experiential, but the experiences were often verified, verified by medical how? doctors. I mean, you know, if, well, just recently and my aunt's church, our aunt that mm-hmm. just passed recently at her church, this woman came in literally she was on mm-hmm. crutches and she had a um she had like two weeks before that she was on a walker like she mm-hmm. could not walk and i don't remember they 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 she was in the hospital i don't remember what it was that she had but she could not walk and at first she was on a walker and so the first time he prayed you know he told her that um you know 
that he would be healed. And so the next time she comes and she's on crutches, so she's walking, but she's still not able to walk. Like two weeks later, she's actually walking. And I mean, she got up there and explained and they told what it was that she had or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she had weeks and all of this stuff. And like a month later, she's functioning, walking without any assistance. And I grew up seeing those kinds of things happen. Mm -hmm. And to say that it's, oh, it was just the healing process. But when the doctors say, no, this is not what we expected the outcome to be, because this was the diagnosis and this was the prognosis. And we can't explain to you what happened and what shifted. But what we know now is that's not the diagnosis and that's not the prognosis. And I, I mean, I've seen that. I can just remember when there were crutches and, right, right, right. and all kinds of stuff on the wall because, and even let's take it out of, let's take it out of the frame. Let's take the picture out of the frame. If you even read back into much of the early, um, biographies that were written those that had early interactions with African slaves it's really interesting some of the stuff that Mm -hmm. they say that happened just because they would speak which was why they would stop them from speaking and you know we're we're putting things in and from speaking because they seem to have such a connection to the power of God that their words right. were powerful. And you see that, you see that, um, that thought process kind of still present in the Pentecostal church, but it's not right. as prevalent as it once right. was. So there's like some history right. that goes along with a lot of that. And so for me, I think we're back to the whole thing of how do, how do we get back basically to this very, very beginning phase that you're saying that we have to get to, to say, is there a well, God? Well, I um, think, um, this, you know, again, looking at that one experience, <clears throat> that's your one example that you just cited, you know, from, from the outside looking in, um, and, I, and I, have, I guess I have to say this, if, you know, when, when people recount those experiences to me whether it's them or someone else you know my my first reaction is not to tell them that that did not happen excuse me you know because the person obviously experienced something you know unless they're just flat out lying to me which i don't think uh, many people are because um you know they could be but i don't know that so it's not my perfect I mean, there's a whole church yeah, full of people exactly. that, right. you know what I mean? So it's not like it's this one person's interpretation right. and we go, right. oh, right. yeah, you know, you know her, she's always exactly. story. You know, but again, it goes back to um, what, I, what I said earlier is, okay, you have this experience and you've interpreted it in a certain way. Is your interpretation infallible and unless you can say if you say yes i think maybe you need to see a psychiatrist because we're fallible human beings even though we see things that doesn't mean that our interpretation is correct um but also you know you said some other things that that were that were telling 
she this person was seeking out medical help and the other thing that i find interesting was that at one time the doctor says this is the prognosis and correct me if i'm wrong if you didn't say this this is a prognosis we came to this determination but by the end of it, it was not what we had determined before um i think with that sort of thing, we have to keep in mind that as well-trained and knowledgeable as doctors are, they're fallible too. You know, so just because the doctor says, oh, this is terminal, or this is going to be your condition from now on, doesn't mean that they're right. So they're prone to making mistakes, as we all know. Um, so here, this is, I mean, I hear what you're saying, I, well, but it, 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 it just sounds like to me that at the end of your version of the story, everybody's wrong. No, what I'm saying is this, is that I'm not saying that everybody's wrong. What I'm saying is that everyone needs to, needs to scrutinize their experiences more closely because, again, we are fallible human beings. And as hard as it is for many people to hear, you know, we have this saying as human beings, you know, I know what I saw or I, you know, I believe it because I saw it. Well, just because you saw something doesn't mean you know what happened. And there's so much going on in that person's life that you did not see that just because you witnessed a snippet of their life doesn't mean that you know the entire process of what happened. And this is what happens. I think this is the, the, the issue with experiences like that is we see the event, but we don't see the things that happened beforehand. Um, and we make our judgment based upon what we've seen and the conditions around. So, you know, we're, we've, we've been, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been, um, I hate to use this word, we've been indoctrinated uh, to believe that, that uh, we worship a God that performs miracles. And so people come to the church and they get prayed for and they get well and they go, oh, there it is, there's a miracle. Not knowing that there is, you know, uh, something else going on in that person's life that may be responsible for it and not necessarily what happened in, in church. Um, so. That just sounds so much like a hot toddy logic. Like a what? Logic. A hot toddy logic. Hot toddy? Yeah. Explain. Well, so, oh, I think I have the flu. I, it, you know, I can't shake it. And then suddenly somebody gives them a hot toddy and they go, oh, yeah, I slap it off and it's fine. Okay. I mean, you just, okay. you, you to say no. okay, so let me, let me, let me put this I in. just don't know how, I just don't know how you, let me, let me, I don't know how, how we get from this place to that place and suddenly we're in that place. And I, I it's just, I know odd to me i i mean i hear what you're saying but it's just odd there's to... um there's a latin phrase it's post hoc ergo propter hoc it means simply um after this therefore because of this and it is a, a, an erroneous or a fallacious way of thinking that we see in 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 human psychology is that we see an event happen and we see an outcome, and we think that the 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 um, the previous um, event that we saw is the cause of the outcome. 
So, for example, um, very simplistic. Is that different from I'm saying? saying through, is that different from seeing through a glass darkly? Uh, no, no. It, it, actually, it is. It's um, it's actually something quite different. Um, Explain. So, so say for example, and this is I'm, I'm leading out. I'm starting with something absurd and making a connection here. Um, in the world of sports, you have athletes um, who will do something completely insane. Like, you know, we haven't we haven't lost a game since I stopped shaving, so I'm not going to stop shaving until we lose a game. That's superstition. Okay. It is superstitious. You're absolutely right. However, tell me the difference between that and I prayed that my cancer would go away and it did. Can you prove that the guy who didn't who didn't shave his beard was the cause of them not losing a game? No, we can't. We can just say that it's superstition and that's our opinion, but we really don't know that that is not the case. It's Okay, so here's here's the difference. I I'm there, and since we, if we okay. let me ask you this: Are, are we you allowed to use scientific mm-hmm. evidence? Because there is scientific evidence that people who have a faith system who actually use prayer actually do heal faster and better than people that don't they have greater chances of recovering from terminal illness. There is scientific evidence. Studies have been done. Now, if you want to, you know, argue what is placebo and Mm -hmm. what is not, you know, we would have to actually go dig up articles and, and actually come up with statistical numbers for that. But there is a lot of there that proves that people who have a support system, a community of faith, prayer that there is a distinct difference in how well they recover from minor and major medical conditions okay yeah i had this um this discussion with the same friend um that i was talking about earlier the one who doesn't talk to you anymore oh uh, no we still talk oh okay <laughs> just check it yeah. see if somebody else you ran off and um and you know my my answer to him was I guess he, he thought it's kind of snarky, but he couldn't really answer it. Is okay, yeah. There's this there's this body of there's this body of uh, scientific investigation on the effectiveness of prayer, and that was one of my questions too. Is well, what does science say about it? Okay, so yes, you're right. There is a body of literature, scientific literature out there that seems to demonstrate that those who are prayed for um, get better, faster, so forth and so on. They have a support system, all of that. But we can't just stop there if we're going to use the scientific method. We also have to look at the counter evidence. There's a much larger body of scientific evidence that shows that prayer has no effect any more than chance. So now we have to weigh the two. Um, Which one is right? And it comes down to what do you believe, I think. Do you believe um, one report over the other? And my answer to that is I don't know. And that's the only thing that I say. But let me, let me finish before you answer. Is that I don't know how the research was conducted 
by the scientists who found that prayer is effective. The question that I asked my friend was, it seems that in the report, they're giving all of these shining, glowing reports about people who were prayed for and got better, so on and so on. But I have to wonder if it's what people out in who aren't scientists do when it, when it comes to prayer. Are they counting the hits and ignoring the misses, whereas the people over here who are doing the, uh, the other study are gauging the entire body? It's like you have like a thousand people or 2000 people who are studied and they give a percentage of people who seem it seem to have worked and those that that it doesn't work. So I think okay. So you're getting you're getting way into the the ethics of doing that kind of research. Well, it's not only, and, it's and, not only the ethics of doing that type of research. That's a that's a that's one of the one of the problems that I have with that type of research. But if we're going to if we're going to bring it up, so, if we're going to bring it up, that the results are unethical. Well, no, I'm not saying that the results are unethical. What I'm saying is that this may be a bias, uh, whether it's intentional or not. You know, biases don't have to be intentional. They can just be set in the way in the methodology, without without even being given consideration by those who are conducting the experiment. And when they put it up for peer review, that question comes up and like, oh yeah, you know, I forgot to put a um, what you call it a control for that. Whereas this other group who did inputted the control for that, it's like we're not going to just monitor those who get well but we're going to monitor monitor how the effects of prayer happened on the entire group you know um and so it just might have been an, an oversight i'm not saying that anyone did anything on purpose i'm just saying that that could have been sure it's found yeah no, no 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 um I'm, I'm not trying to say that at all all i'm saying is is that with these types of things we have to ask more questions than um than what the uh, the the results I'm all for asking questions. Right. I, I really am. And and what you're saying just kind of reminds me of uh, of this conversation I keep having with people about um, the evolution of paleness and skin. And I always tell them, no, that argument doesn't fly because of the Eskimos. And they just stand there and look at me like, what? <laughs> I'm like, your argument doesn't fly. Well, and I think that I think that's the place that you're at. I just don't know how you're there, well, um, because it just seems so disheartening to me to to not have that foundation. Well, here's the thing. Um, I'm rem I'm reminded of um, of uh, I think it was the Apostle Paul. He was addressing. I can't remember. Oh, now you quote. Yeah, I'm quoting scripture. I'm blaspheming again. Um, actually. You're, you're cheering for evangelism, yeah. quoting scriptures. Yeah. I mean, yeah, come yeah. on. Actually, I'll, I'll blaspheme it first. I'll quote Jesus first. Um, he, he told his, uh, his followers that they needed to be as wise as serpents. And if you're going to be as wise as a serpent, you have to ask questions that many times even cut to the core of what you yourself believe, or you fall in danger of deluding yourself. Um, and then... Paul, uh, he, 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 he told, uh, I'm sorry, going back to, yeah, Paul, and this is where I uh, see conflict with Paul and Jesus, he, you know, he told his, his followers not to be taken in by, you know, philosophy. And, you know, I look at that, and when people say things like that, I'm like, what are you trying to hide? 
you know, what is it that you don't want me to know? What is it that you don't want me to think about? What is it you don't want me to question? And so I tend to fall on the side of Jesus. It's like, yeah, I'm going to question everything as much as I can because I don't want to be taken in. I don't want to delude myself. I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to believe things for bad reasons. I want to know the truth. And to know the truth, I have to I have to ask very deep, very scrutinizing questions. And I'm just not seeing that in a whole lot of believers. It's not just Christians. It's, it's across the board. It's this very shallow questioning that doesn't upset the apple cart. And to get to the truth many times, you have to up, upset the, the apple cart. And even in doing that, you end up with, I don't know. And, you know, this is how I feel about religious experiences. I don't deny that people are having these experiences, but their interpretations of them, I just end up saying, yeah, you may be right, but I, I really don't know. You know, even if I had an experience like that myself, it'd be very powerful, be very compelling. But if I ask the same questions uh, of that experience that I'm asking others, and I have to do that to be fair to them, um, you know, I end up at the same place. I just don't know. I'm not saying that it's impossible that there is a God out there that performs miracles, so forth and so on. It's just that when I ask these scrutinizing questions, on the one hand, as you said before, there are people out there who's just saying, just believe it. And, but I'm like, well, if I just believe it, how do I know that I'm, how do I know them right? Even, even more importantly, how would I know if I'm wrong uh, without asking these questions? So in all actuality, it sounds to me like the question is not just as, is more so, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the question is more so of your own um, ability to cognitively process the information as it is a validity of what you're processing. Well, I'll put it to you this way. Um, for me, the question is far more important than the answer. Um, okay. And the reason I say that is, is that... Um, Sounds like a yes that you just don't want to give me, but okay. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, there's no answer that I want or don't want to give you. It's just to me, the question is, <laughs> is the, to me, the question is more important than the answer because many times when we come to the answer, we stop asking questions. And so, go ahead. Keep the questions coming. Yeah, keep the questions coming because it's the, que I, I have this quote on my wall and in my office and I, I, I have it in a place where I can see it. Um, and most people miss it when they walk in. But I think if um, if anybody saw it, I'd lose my job, but I keep it up there. Uh, the, the quote is, you know, um, I understand faith, but it's, it, but it's, it's doubt that gets us an education. Um, and for me, that, that. From the standpoint of the philosophers mm -hmm. were the philosophers and theologians were all trying to unpack. I, yeah. I can get that. You I, know, I can... um, I can get that, but I just don't think I like how. You well, I'm, use I'm it. using it in the same way, is that so? So, so do you see yourself kind of on the same journey as C.S. Lewis? No, uh, I don't, because um, I think, as much as I admire the writings of C.S. Lewis, I think he fell prey to bad ideas. Um, I think he, or bad ideas with bad apologetics. 
uh, as if there's good apologi apologetics, but I think he just fell fell prey to apologetics. There, go ahead. Apologetics, but go ahead. There, there, there are good yeah. apologetics, uh, but go I, ahead. I think, I'll, I think just, he fell prey yeah. to 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 apologetics, <laughs> and um, I think, and I could be wrong. You know, C.S. Lewis tells the same story that many. Um, former atheists to convert to whatever religion sell, you know, you know, he tells a story about how he was an atheist and he wanted to know the truth and he started searching so on and so on and, um, you know, ended up believing, which is, which is fine, you know, for him, I guess. But I think, you know, reading his writings, I see some of the same bad arguments that all apologists use. And I think he just fell prey to that. And, um, you know, so you're saying that his his defense was was very weak. It was very articulate, but I think it, it was weak in, in the end. I think one of the things that um, so it can be articulate, oh, yeah, but I mean, be weak. You can. I mean, it's like I tell my my uh, my students: you can construct the most beautiful sentence in the world and say absolutely nothing. Um. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I cannot confirm oh, or deny. I think you and I have both read enough to realize that, you know, a word salad when we see it, particularly if you read the writings of Deepak Chopra, um, that man makes every cell of my body hurt just because he can write an entire book and say absolutely nothing. You know what? I read two paragraphs and I came to that conclusion that it was just going to be a a, a trail of garbled goop yeah. and I you know that that took us nowhere and all we did was basically it reminds me of shuffling the cards and scooping them back up and shuffling them again and nobody ever plays a hand right <laughs> that, that was kind of i read two paragraphs and i was like oh this is going absolutely nowhere yeah, yeah. and so i don't know what he ever I, I don't know what he said i know he made a lot of money over not saying it whatever right but yeah but with with going back to c.s lewis <clears throat> my dad had me read him um growing up and um you know looking back on some of the things that he said um there was just some really um, weak argumentation there. I remember one thing that stands out. And this is very popular. I've heard uh, the saying is very popular from C.S. Lewis. He said that um, Jesus is either Lord, a lunatic, or a liar. And, um, you know, from the mind of a believer, you know, that makes sense. But looking in from the outside, of, you know, my question is why are those the only three options? You know, there's so many more that Jesus could have been. Why couldn't Jesus have been legendary? Jesus well, is legendary, regardless. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that, you know. I yeah, mean, seriously, yeah, Jesus is, is legendary. For, yeah. For real. Yeah. I mean, for yeah, real, that's the, for the real. way that I'm using the word is, is this, is like we have these stories about Jesus that um, came together over the course of decades. Um, so what we have is, you know, not necessarily an historical uh, recounting of Jesus, but the stories that Jesus uh, told about Jesus from people who, quote, 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 remember him, remembered him, 
Um, so we really have no idea of whether those um, stories are historical or just legend. That's why I say, you know, Jesus could have been legendary. Um, maybe Jesus was mistaken. You know, this was a time during uh, human history where, you know, there were unknown, total unknown amounts of people claiming to be the Messiah. And, you know, here we are 2,000 years later. So, you know, your argument is that, that those different um, persons were somehow enmeshed? No, what I'm saying is... is Because it sounds like you're creating a mythology. No, no, not at all. What I'm, what I'm talking about... Okay, I, I no, just no. want to make no, sure no, 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 no. That, that we're not heading no, 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 no. towards putting Jesus in the same no, boat no, 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 no. as other forms of mythology. No, 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 okay. No, no, no. What I'm, I'm talking specifically about C.S. Lewis's argumentation. Okay. Okay. Is okay. That he gives us this, these three options, you know, Lord, lunatic, or liar. And I'm saying there's so many other options, you know, not that any of them are valid or anything like that. I'm just saying, why just those three options? Why not legend? Why not mistaken? You know, uh, you know, he just gives us the, it's like he stops at where he wants to believe, you know, uh, almost as if, um, he put the cart before the horse. It was like, I'm here already at belief. I'll tell you what it sounds like to me as far as C.S. Lewis is concerned. Not that he was being dishonest, but I think probably C.S. Lewis was more agnostic than he was atheist. I think he was at the point, of, I think he was at the point where he was like, I don't know. So let me research. And his research just led him to belief. I don't think he was actually um, a full-blown atheist as as the story's told, um, because it seems to me that, you know, again, I, I don't, you know, atheists aren't monolithic. We don't all have the same reasons for being atheists. We all don't start at the same place. But it just seems to me that if he was going about it the way that he was and he was an actual atheist, these things would have come up, come up to him because the literature was there, you know the legendary, the mythical, as you, as you said, that, you know, that was all available to him. And it just seems like when he gave those three options, like, is that all, you know? Um, and he also uses the, you know, the argument from design and all these kinds of things. And I'm just like, yeah, this, this doesn't sound like the writings of someone who was actually a, a scientist. So do you think that, that there was some type of pseudo writer? I don't know that. I, I don't know that. Um, not even to say that I think that there was one like with um, with Socrates. We know that there was a pseudo writer. Well, we don't. He wasn't a pseudo writer. It was his student Plato, um, or with Shakespeare. You know, some people believe that Shakespeare didn't really exist. It was just someone who wrote under that name. Um, uh, but um, so I don't know if that was the case with C.S. Lewis or not, because it doesn't seem like. <clears throat> That would be the that would be the case. So I think where we're going to to draw this this um, I guess you will as we close out. I think apologetics is important. I don't think apologetics is um, a, about God needing defending. I think it does have everything to do with um, increasing our ability to articulate um, what it is that we believe. 
and the foundational principles that that we hinge our faith on. If we're going to say we hinge what we believe on something, I think we should be able to articulate it well. That to say that God needs defending is is in so many ways um, to make God anthropomorphic. Um, And that in and of itself is extremely problematic for me because God just is, is so, so outside of our human understanding, which I think be part of um, why you have the questions that you have is like, you need to have some very foundational information that, that kind of builds up to the rest of this and the rest of us are going, but it's built and you're going, no, let's really unpack it. Um, So I think that those of us who are on the other side, it's a challenge to us to do better um, at learning how to really get back to the very basic, how do you really help someone? Because one of the things I did as a chaplain was I worked with um, neuro uh, patients Um, and it was always this question that I had, and this is how I ended up in mental health was how do you believe if your mind is not capable of, you know, whether that be medical, whether that be mental health, but if your mind just can't grasp, you know, we say it's a necessity that you believe, Mm -hmm. but what about all of these people? You know, what about all of these people that have neurological or mental health or something that really makes it a challenge for them to believe. And that was how I kind of have, that really has been what my journey and, and my training has been about because that has been my fascinating question. I had no idea that that would kind of be the same uh, nuance, if you will, that we would take for apologetics, but it is, it is there. It's on the table. Right. Um, If I could just, push back a little bit from something you said earlier sure you said you know you keep coming back to the to the point that um you don't want to throw away apologetics on one hand and but then in the very same breath you say you ask whether god needs defending or not um no that was the question that we started with that was the the where we started was was to put that question out there to me, God doesn't need defending because, I, again, I say that that's to make God anthropomorphic if God right. needs defending. So that kind well, of defeats if, if God. That, but go ahead. If you don't, if you don't think that, then we have to come up with a different word to use in apologetics because the. Um, okay, let me put back on my seminary student hat. The word apologetics from the Greek means speaking in defense of. And by definition, apologetics is defending a religious doctrine. Doctrine, not right. Deity. However, mm. so that's that, so the that's where because when you say does God need defending, that that to me is where it becomes. I don't have a problem with defending a doctrine, mm-hmm. a belief system, or a, a faith, or whatever you want to call that part of it. But that's very different from the creator who doesn't need so, our help. You just see yeah, what I'm saying? Those I see are the what two you're different... saying. I see what you're saying, but um, yeah. it sounds to me like that's special pleading. Um, 
Okay, special pleading. Special pleading is when we're having a conversation like this and you Mm -hmm. kind of build this special protective wall around your pet belief and say, we're not going to touch it. But if it's on your side of the wall, then it's fair game. Okay. Mm. I, I, that's not where I mean to go with that. And let me, let me say, well, um, saying... let me give you a, let me give you a practical okay. example. Um, if I, um, my pickapoo mm-hmm. that I used to have and say, okay, well, I'm going to send him outside to see how, how well he can defend himself against mm-hmm. the German Shepherd. Okay, well, you're looking at one size versus the other size, and you know, you're comparing them up as to what that mm-hmm. would look like. So that's the side of the um, that's the side of what I'm saying is I don't have a problem with comparing doctrines. Mm-hmm. You know, one is going to stand. And, and be stronger and have a different skill set than mm-hmm. the other, so forth and so on. But from the other standpoint, when I say that that God doesn't need defending, it is to me as if to to take my dad and put him in the room with a newborn baby and say, who's going to win the fight? There's no fight. That doesn't, there's no fight. It doesn't need to happen at all. Um, so, so when you say that God is, it, it, I'm, God just doesn't need defending. God is God. And, and maybe that's the, that, that's how we get back to the very beginning of that. You can't even be in that, that space where I see God as, not needing defending, if we're going to talk doctrines, if we're going to talk philosophy, theology, I'm, I'm a game all in, but when that's not to say that God cannot be discussed or articulated or even questioned. I don't have a problem with questioning God because if God can't stand inspection, we do have a problem. We can, we can discuss everything about God except for his existence. I, I just his existence is for me. Well, see, I, I don't. That, that's, that's, I, I, that that that's where we start right. out at. That's how we right. started. You know, is how do we even get back right. to that place right. of being see, able to have the conversation if we can't even imagine this, God <laughs> not being right. This, God. this is this is the very point that I brought up to one of our family members. Okay, is this <clears throat> and. This is another one of those points where the conversation kind of stopped at that point, and I haven't heard from this person in like two or three months, is whenever you put possessive pronouns or use possessive languages language in front of an idea, you're robbing it of its factual... Uh, nature so for example when you said this is what god is for me you're already talking about a belief and not necessarily fact or truth and this is where i get frustrated with people is that you know 
I respect and understand that this is what you believe. I'm not concerned with beliefs. I want to know that this, ex this entity actually exists in fact. And before I can, I can even hear anything that you say about this entity, I need to know how you know that this entity exists in fact. And if you're, you know, you keep using the word entity. <laughs> well, I'm using, well, you said you don't want to use anthropomorphic language, so entity. Um, well, so let me tell you why that why that is like it's like chalkboarding me right now, because I had a conversation with someone on yesterday about the movie that was out in the seventies, early eighties, about the, the the movie was entitled The Entity, and so we. We had this, well, we had this conversation about who remembered the movie or not, you know, like, did you see it? Did you not see it? Whatever. So it's just, you know, how yeah. ironic that you keep using this word right. entity. And so I keep, like, my mind keeps going back. And for listeners who have not seen the movie, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. And it's not for it's, the faint at heart. Really, That's not. all I'm gonna say. It's not okay, for the faint so at heart. I'll, I'll use a different word. This being, you're, you're explaining to me that you know there's this being out there that exists, and I want to know how do you know that this being exists? And this is where we get into apologetics, as far as I'm concerned, is as far as it being my pet peeve, is that you know the earliest. Uh, Christian apologetics knew how important that question was, so that's where they started. Was the existence of God? Uh, you look at Origin or Aquinas, um, uh, Anselm, so on and so on. They didn't start with okay, God already exists. They started with the existence of God. Now, their arguments um, started with well, the, put it this way. The arguments that they set forth, you can only accept if you believe that a God exists. And I think that still puts them in the wrong place. But at least they... So you're saying that still watered down their well, no. defense? Well, no, it didn't water down their defense. It just didn't... It, it doesn't take you back to getting to, does a God exist? Um, so, for example, um, you take uh, Thomas Aquinas with his first cause argument, Okay. And basically, you know, Thomas Aquinas says that, you know, everything has a cause and he argues his way to that cause is God. Well, my question earlier was, all right, yeah, okay, so I can get with everything has a cause, but how does it follow that that cause has to be a God? So it doesn't get us anywhere. Um, you know, I can insert anything. The thing that bothers me about apologetics, and this is where... Um, I usually get what I get people to see that makes them angry with me is that apologetics is really not a defense for the, the existence of God. Um, it is a defense for the existence of your faith in God. That's what apologetics boils down what? to, but it doesn't set out to do that. Mm. It sets out to justify the existence. So you're saying it's, it, it's a yeah, failed that's attempt. A, that's that's exactly what you're calling it. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. No sale. I'm not buying that one. I, I see how mm -hmm. you come to that. Um, yeah, it, no sale because it just doesn't. It mm -hmm. just doesn't. It doesn't prove what it sets out to prove. 
in, um, as far as I'm concerned, because all the arguments, well, I'll give you a re- uh, well, one of the reasons was it doesn't get us to God. It doesn't get us to a specific God and anything with the, with all the apologetic arguments that I've heard, I can pretty much make up something and use all of the apologetic arguments and come to the conclusion to the conclusion that whatever I've made up is the case. And it's happened for thousands of years. I mean, you talk to a Christian, they're using the same apologetical arguments as the Muslim, as the Jew, as the Hindu, as the Mormon, as the Scientologist. I mean, people are literally making up religions and using each other's apologetics to defend their belief in their God. So you're saying that that, that they're they're hinging the strength of their comparisons to their own um, belief system to to vote. They're using. Are you saying that they're using? They're pinning the hinges of their own belief system into the comparison. No, what I'm saying is, is that if you listen to a Christian apologist talk about or defending the Christian faith and then listen to a Muslim scholar defend the Muslim faith, and then a Hindu scholar um, defend the Hindu faith, the arguments are word for word the same. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to put this as our stopping point, because I think this conversation is going to be much longer than Mm -hmm. I had anticipated, because it really has already been because we've been on here like twice as long as I had planned for yep. us to be on here. So um, can we pick back up on apologetics sure. for our next talk? All right. So we'll pick this back up and we'll continue to unpack this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that um, the existence of God may be um, where we start the next time. Okay. This one last thing that I want to say. Okay. Okay. Is, 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 um, I don't want people to confuse apologetics with theology because they're not the same things. Okay, so let's pick up next week, and and I want you to um, give us those distinctions because I think that is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is very important, especially since we're going to hinge all of this on the existence of God. So let's let's start there next time um, to discuss apologetics and theology okay all right all right it's been thank you have a great afternoon do the same it's been fun bye-bye